0: Is uh, from Luke six thirty one forty two. 42 do to others as you would have them do to you if you love those who love you what credit is that to you even sinners love those who love them and if you do good to those who are good to you what credit is that to you even sinners do that and if you lend those from whom you expect repayment what credit is that to you even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full but love your enemies do good to them and lend them lend to them without expecting to get anything back then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful do not judge others and you will not be judged do not condemn and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down shaken together and run over will be poured into your will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you he also told this parable can the blind lead the blind will they not fall into a pit the student is not above the teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You, you, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will be, see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye.
1: Amen. There's a story about a woman in an airport. She had an early flight, and she hadn't had a chance to eat breakfast before she left to head to the airport. So she was feeling tired, and she was feeling hungry. So she went to the only place that was open. She went up to the small counter service cart. She bought a coffee and a small box of cookies. And then she sat down at a small table near her gate so she could charge her phone. She pulled out her iPad. "'and started going through the notes for her meeting later that day. "'Then a man came up, looking a little bit disheveled, "'and he sat down at the same table. "'Looks like he just rolled out of bed,' she thought. "'His hair was probably just brushed with his fingers. "'His clothes are so wrinkled he probably slept in them. "'He wasn't even wearing matching socks.' How disorganized could somebody be? But then she just turned her attention back to her reading. She had work to do. But then the next thing she knew, the man who was sitting at her table began opening the box of cookies that were on the table. He took one out, and he started eating it. How could he? Is he? I'm not going to make a scene. It's just one cookie. He can have the cookie. But then he took another cookie. This poor man is so disorganized, he can't even go get his own cookies. So not to be outdone, she took a cookie. A little bit later, he takes a cookie. Then she takes a cookie. And it keeps going until there's one cookie left. And then the man picks up that last cookie. And he says to her, would you like to split it with me? And at this point, she is so furious, she grabs the cookie out of his hand, she turns away and goes on the plane. She goes to sit in her seat, starts to ruffle through her bag to find her reading book for the long flight, and she pulls out a box of cookies. Oh, how easy it is! For us to make assumptions of others. How easy it is to judge others without even realizing it. We've been in a series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's based upon the greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Last week we looked at love and discovered what love looks like between us and God in what it looks like between us and other people, our neighbors. Often when we hear of loving our neighbors, we think back to the parable that Jesus told in Luke 10, where a religious scholar tries to trick Jesus and find a loophole in loving others by asking, who's my neighbor? And in that story of the Good Samaritan, a man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he is attacked by robbers, and then he's left half dead. Then three other men come traveling down this same road. The first, a priest, passed by on the other side of the road. Why? Prejudice? Unrighteous judgment? Biased assumptions? Then the second man comes by, a Levite. And he also passes by on the other side of the road. Why? Why? Prejudice, unrighteous judgment, biased assumptions. But then there's a third man, a Samaritan, who goes up to the man laying in the road. He bandaged his wounds. He put him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Why? He put aside prejudices. He put aside judgments. He put aside biased assumptions and instead put on mercy. So Jesus points out to the religious scholar, if you want to be a neighbor, be merciful. But the church isn't really known for its mercy, is it? There's a study done several years ago by Barna. Barna is a group that does lots of International and global surveys for religious groups. And they did a study, and they asked non-Christians for one word or phrase that best describes Christianity. By a staggering 91%, the words came up negative. You know, the top three words in the list? Homophobic, hypocritical, and judgmental. Jesus said the world would know that we were his by our love, not by our prejudices, not by our judgments. But the Bible has a lot to say about judging. Following our, our most famous and familiar verse, John three sixteen, for whoever, so whoever... <laughs> I'm going to mess that one up, aren't I? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But we always forget the next verse, verse 17. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And then in talking about the unbelief of people, Jesus says this in John 12. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world, not to judge it. When the disciples are asking Jesus, Who's the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus? Who's the greatest? He responds this way in Matthew chapter 18. I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children... You will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know a thing that's great about little kids? They have no prejudices. They have no judgments of others. Little kids are full of love and mercy until they're taught prejudice, until they're taught judgment. Now, judgment can be a healthy part of life. We make judgments all day, every day. It's a, just a part of being alive. You have to make judgments. But we judge what food is healthiest for us to eat. We judge when it's safe to pull out into traffic. Or we make a judgment on the correct course of action to take when we're facing a big decision. So what do we do with this text this morning where Jesus says, do not judge? The word that Jesus uses here means don't condemn. It means to come to a negative conclusion about another person and then condemn them for it. But you see, condemnation is done by God alone. There will come a day when every person has to stand before God for judgment. That is not our job. That's God's job. Secondly, when we judge another person, we put ourselves in a place of judging their motives. Only God knows someone else's motives. While man looks at appearances, God looks at the heart. We can be quick to draw a negative conclusion about someone based on why they did something. For example, have you ever been in bottleneck traffic on the highway? They're trying to get three lanes of traffic down to one, and you're all stuck, just all merging. Then inevitably you have that one driver, that one person that goes in the breakdown lane on the shoulder and just flies down past everybody else. And then at the last second they cut in line and cut everybody else off at the last possible moment. I know it's happened to you. Well, I don't know about you, but what I say to myself, what a jerk! What a jerk! Clearly they think their time is more important than mine. Clearly they think they are more important than me. How dare they? What a jerk. They just think they can do whatever they want. Well, what have I just done? I just judged someone based on information I assumed or information I just made up. Was their driving dangerous? Yes. Was it careless? Yes. But I can judge the action without judging and making assumptions about the driver. See, I don't know their story. Maybe they had an emergency. Maybe their wife was in labor. Maybe they were rushing someone to the hospital. Oh, yeah, right, like that happens, right? And yes, that does happen, because as God always shows us the flip side, about a year ago, we were in a situation where our daughter was in anaphylactic shock, and we didn't have time to call an ambulance. We had to throw her in the car and rush her to the hospital. So who you think the jerk was driving, cutting people off, going in and out, going through like yellow to red lights just so we could get to... Yeah, it wasn't me. It was him. (laughs) But there we were. We were the jerk that was cutting people off just to get to save our daughter's life. So, yes, it happens. So who are we to judge the motivation of another person? Because only God sees a person's heart. Only God can judge the hidden secrets of someone's heart. That judgment is for him alone. We don't understand our own hearts, never mind someone else's. Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure. Who can understand it? Have you ever caught a little kid doing something they should, have, should not have been doing? And then you say, why did you do that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you mean? Why did you do that? You know you're not supposed to do that. Why did you do that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, there is a lot of theological truth to that. We all do things that we know we're not supposed to do, and then we say, I don't know why I did it. Paul talks about it. I don't know why I did that. But if we can't know our own heart, how can we possibly know someone else's? The third problem with judging is that we become fault finders. That becomes our job. Suddenly, we wear a badge. I'm fault finder for God. That's not our job, but that's what we think. Listen to the messages, Eugene Peterson's message, paraphrase of our text this morning. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Fault finders, don't be fault finders. A fault finder is someone who finds something to criticize, to complain about. You know, the synonyms, if you look it up, it says a nag a grumbler, a grouch, a malcontent. They're hardly the impressions that Jesus told us to leave with the world. Who wants to be a neighbor with someone like that? Not me. You know, judging says more about the person doing the judging than it does about the other. Remember, Jesus told us that a good good person produces good things. From the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say, what comes out of your mouth, comes first from your heart. So when you're judging others, it's saying more about what's in your heart than about what they are in your eyes. You see, we judge and find faults in others because of our own insecurities out of our own anger, out of our own bitterness, even out of the fear that we aren't enough. And so we bring others down to lift ourselves up. Because ultimately, when we judge others, we're elevating ourselves. Oh, they can come down here, so I can come up. We make assumptions and we draw negative conclusions. We blow small things out of proportion. We tell too many people about what others have done to us. Those are all forms of judgment. We use it to look better or to help us feel better about ourselves. That's what drives an overly critical attitude. We develop a God complex. We believe that we can see as God sees. I can see your heart. I know your motives. I can see the way that you're thinking. I've seen people like you before. I know people like you. I know all the things that led you to this point in your life to make that decision. That's what Jesus wants to eliminate in his followers, that kind of judging. Jesus didn't do it. Neither should we. Because that kind of harsh and critical judgment, it's wrong. That's why Jesus brings up the sawdust and plank illustration for us. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? The sawdust and plank are both of the same substance. Sawdust is a small speck of wood, while the plank is a large piece of wood. In other words, the reason you see the speck that fault, that imperfection in your neighbor is because you're familiar with it yourself. The reason you can see that sin in the other person's life is because you have been guilty of that same sin. You have to know it to recognize it. You see, judging others has the potential to make us hypocrites because we put the faults of others under a microscope without rightly assessing our own faults first. None of us are perfect. But it still makes us feel better to point out someone else's flaws. And it's a lot easier to point out someone else's flaws than look in my own heart. Oftentimes when we look at our own flaws and make judgments about ourselves... We make excuses. We chalk it up to environment. Oh, I said those mean and hurtful things because I was having a bad day. Oh, I'm sorry I was so rude that day because I just, I wasn't feeling well. And so it it just happened. Yet when we look at someone else's faults, when we look at someone else's behavior, we blame their character. Someone else says those same things, Oh, did you hear what that person just said? How rude. That is a mean person right there. I tell you, that is nasty to the core. Did you hear the words that came out of their mouth? Wait a minute. We didn't give them the same mercy we just gave ourselves. There's a problem there. We need to stop judging someone else's motives. We need to stop judging someone else's character based on very little information. Do you ever walk through a forest and look at the trees? Some of the trees are standing straight and tall and you would say, oh, what a perfect tree. So majestic. And then some other trees are kind of craggly. Some other trees may be leaning over to the side and we look at those trees and we say, oh, that tree leaning to the side must have had some hard wind blowing on it. But we accept the tree for its beauty still. Now let's take that illustration. We go out and we walk in a crowd of people. And we look at this person. We say, oh, that person, look, they're dressed up real nice. They look good. They look good. Well, that per- oh, what is wrong with them? What happened to that person? What are they wearing today? Did they, did they see themselves in the mirror before they left the house? Where is the... If we can give a tree mercy, how can we not take that same illustration, go out into a crowd of people and say, this person may not look what I expect to look like this one, but you know what? They were made in God's image. And they deserve Mercy. They deserve love, not judgment, based on what I don't know about them. Judging and being critical of others makes us blind to our own condition. In John chapter 8, the religious leaders brought to Jesus a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They came with stones in hand to condemn her, blind to their own sin until Jesus says to them, let one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Then they all begin to drop their stones, and they walk away. The only one in that moment that could have thrown the stone was Jesus. And he responds with mercy, with forgiveness. We've received the same mercy While we were sinners, God had mercy on us. Jesus died for us. We who call ourselves saved, followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to display that same mercy to others. Sometimes, though, in our own hurts, in our desire to be right, we still judge. We throw rocks at people with our words. Even if we don't say them out loud, we think them. And we ignore the condition of our own hearts. In the example of the speck and the plank, Jesus is saying, open your eyes. Stop evaluating everybody else. Take a look inside. Paul restates it this way in Romans 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Righteous judging starts here in our own hearts. You hypocrite. That's a harsh word coming from Jesus. Take the plank out of your eye. Then, you will see clearly. Then you will see clearly. Psalm 139 tells us how we can begin to deal with that plank in our own eye. Reading from verse 23, Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. If we're going to love our neighbors in ways that matter, we must have sober judgment about ourselves. And that requires humility. That requires repentance. God's always welcoming us to his throne. If we're humble enough to ask him for help, he wants to come in, he wants to clean us. He wants to make things right. But we have to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to reveal our weaknesses, to reveal our faults, our mistakes, maybe our bad attitudes, our foolish words, our pride, our arrogance, our need to be in control, our need to run the world, even our little world. our anger, our bitterness. We could go on and on and on. But when we seek those answers, God will reveal them to us. And then when he does, we see that we have nothing to boast about. God has brought us to where we are. We owe all we are to him. All that is good in us is because of him. So instead of being critical of others, let's help them connect with God. Let them, let's help them find the hope and the healing that they need. We make all kinds of judgments based on race, based on gender, someone's spirituality, ethnicity, disabilities, the clothes they wear, or even their hair color. And we need to stop We need to look inside ourselves first. As Mother Teresa so aptly stated, when you judge people, you have no time to love them. There's a funny story about my hair color. When I'm talking about judgment, when I started down the, the track to being ordained, and I signed up and I and I did all the testing and, and everything was coming out good until I went for the first interview. And they saw my hair. Suddenly, are you taking this seriously? You have pink hair. Are you serious about this? I am serious. Well, but your hair's pink. Really? Really? I didn't notice. <laughs> but so so that was my very first interview. And that sense of of judgment, that sense of prejudice. On my very last interview, three years later, it was the interview that says, yay, you're ordained, or no, we don't think so. It was that interview, three years later. And the people in that room said, oh, I love the pink hair. You keep it, girl. You run with it. It's who you are. It's your passion on your head. It's your passion for God. You're wearing it right there. You run with it, you go with it, girl. Wow, what a difference. Three years. (laughs) But what a difference. The judgment was gone. We need to stop judging based on how someone looks. You see, God wants us to live in the flow of his mercy. He wants us to live in the flow of his grace. Then we'll see him for who he is. And we'll start to see our neighbors as he sees them with eyes of compassion, with eyes of mercy. And it's only when we start to look through lens of compassion and mercy that we'll display the character of humility, patience, gentleness. And that's when we'll begin to love our neighbor as ourselves. when we put on those traits. Heavenly Father, our problem is not with your word. Our problem is not with other people. Our problem is on our inside. Father, we confess that too many times we've been critical of those around us. Forgive us our thoughtless, unkind, hurtful words. Lord, show us a better way. Lord, show us your way. Jesus, thank you for showing us how to live. Thank you for showing us how to die. Thank you for showing us how to love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us so that we'll be different in the world, set apart for your purposes. Lord, we pray that we're set free from our anger, set free from our bitterness, from our judgmental spirit. Lord, help us to love and bring mercy into the world. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.